0: This is the Take Your Meds podcast, your safe space to explore how you can brighten up your life from the inside out. We're diving deep into the different medicine millennials take to turn their light on. Season one gives some insights into how you can navigate your quarter life crisis and find the confidence to be your authentic self. On this episode, I sit down with my mentor and friend, Edina Saverne Takataka, listening to hear how service and leadership turns into medicine. Kia ora, and welcome back to the Take Your Meds podcast. I'm in the studio with Edina Saverne Takataka. And I'm really excited for this conscious conversation. So Edina, I would describe as a manawahine. She is someone who unapologetically shows up in so many different spaces and places and is a leader, is a force for good and absolutely speaks truth to power. I think there's something really special about your energy and the way that you can bring out the best in people and also really call them into their greatness, which is, I think, where our relationship came to be. (laughs) So I've been lucky enough to be mentored by Edna over the last two years. We met after we both were scholarship recipients of Collective Intelligence, an amazing um, personal development initiative. Shout out. And I was really inspired by Edina's mahi up at the DHB and just what she stood for, what her values were. And so this episode, I don't know where we're going to go, but I'm excited because, yeah, this is going to be great. So kia ora and welcome, Edina. How are you? I'm
1: amazing. What's on top for you right now? Um, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really tow, which is nice. It's a good space to be. Um, but I'm happy and well and very grateful to mm-hmm. be here today. Mm,
0: thank you so much for showing up. How would you like to introduce yourself, Edna, including your
1: pronouns? That's a good question. I guess I would usually introduce myself in Māori. It's probably an easy way to go. So, kō wai au, i te tahā tōku pāpā, kō tu tō iwi. I taha tōku mama, ko ngā puhi te iwi. I te taha tōku pāpa atafai ko Maniapoto te iwi, ingari kei kirikiriroa roa inoho ana. Ko Irina, taka takataka tōku ingua Ko Nola, fa loaki, Māriwa Rose, Leo Tai, taka takataka taku pipi.
0: <laughs> no, kia <ora>. <laughs> That's <laughs> me! <laughs> yeah! I can follow what you were saying. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm learning more in my Tadil. Mm. It's beautiful to understand how it all connects. So thank you for introducing yourself. Um, and we've just sat down together and actually pulled a card from the Denise Javi, the Secret Language of Light um, soul cards. And it was about transformation. And I just want us to start there. We've just gone through a guided meditation and some reflections and prompts. What's come up for
1: you with that card? Has there been any messages that have felt really alive for you? Yeah, actually there has. I think one of the things that came out for me was um, the concept of it's not good, it's not bad, it just is. When I had originally first heard it, I thought, that's dumb, because when you're good, why not be good? Why not be amazing? But I think what I like about it was... Um, it just is you know mm. so the bad might be bad and that's okay um, and the good might be good and that's okay as well and so I quite like that message uh, because I think lots of our people go through hard times um, and how can we reframe uh, the stories that we tell ourselves um, so that we can um, work through that journey Um and potentially have a different outcome for ourselves. Um, I'll give an example. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah. Um, So before our beautiful Pepe was born, we had lost a baby. And I remember that being probably one of the most painful things that myself and my partner had to go through. And then we had our beautiful baby girl, Nola. Um, And just this year, we um, had another miscarriage. And I remember the feeling of the first one and thinking I would never be able to do that again. Like I could never handle that pain again. I did not believe I was strong enough to do that. Um, And then I think when it happened again for the second time, um, it was a really weird thing. I had kind of realised I'm stronger than what I thought I was. That actually... um, bad and dumb things happen to good people all the time and I'm not exempt from that and that actually within my world and within my whanau I have loads to be grateful about and this is just a shitty thing that happened and so I think what I took away from that experience was I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was and I ever could be um and Bring it on! That's kind of how I have thought about it because wow. I didn't think I was capable only years before, um, and now I think, wow, I'm uh, I'm probably stronger than I think I even am now, yeah. and that's quite an empowering uh, way to feel. Mm. Mm. Wow,
0: that's huge, and takes so much courage as well to really lean into the reflection around mm. the experiences. What do you think
1: supported you to reframe the experience? Mm. Well, I love watching TED Talks, and I watch (laughs) a TED Talk every day. And so it was funny because only just before it had actually happened, I was watching a TED Talk on resilience. It's a really cool one. Mm. And she talked about these kind of methods um, of uh, what resilient people do in situations. And I had only watched that a couple of days, you know. Before it had actually happened, so it's funny how things fall into place like that. And then, um, yeah, so I really love some of her concepts around shitty things happen to good people. And actually, um, is what I'm doing in this moment helping me or harming me, you know? Wow. But I think one of the things that I did really differently and I learned from last time was um, I handled it front on and head on so I was actually booked to go to a woman's wellness retreat um, and I, at that time I thought actually I'm pretty well I'm you know I'm feeling pretty good I don't think I need to go and then we had lost the baby the day before and so I thought okay so then I had three days out in all. And I just had time to myself, and I absolutely faced it 100% head-on, and I think that was a big difference in that healing journey for myself as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't shy away from it. If I was sad, I was sad, and I just faced the whole thing head-on. Mm-hmm. made it a lot easier, I think, to recover. Yeah. Um, but also my narrative um, to myself was um, really focusing every day on the good mm-hmm. and the things in our world that... I'm grateful for, um while at the same time the acknowledgement that shitty things happen Mm. and that's okay. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a combination, but I think that facing it head on was a a big difference because the the first time I had done it, I just kind of buried myself in Mahi because Mahi was my safe place. You know, it was my place where I get to contribute to the world and use my skills Mm. for the better. Um but i didn't really face the pain of it head on mm. and so i decided that this time i was absolutely going to do that and it made a difference
0: wow. mm. that's huge and to be able to face it head on mm. i know so many young people are not sure what to do with some emotions mm. What would be your insights and discoveries going through such a difficult process of how to be with some of those heavier, painful emotions, how to process those in a healthy way instead of suppressing or neglecting or
1: ignoring? 100%. I guess with the process is that um, I hadn't done it well the first time. I, I, wouldn't, I didn't say, I didn't think... Um, I think I did what I needed to do at that time with what I had in front of me. Yeah, I didn't know any different. Um, but b- I, because I decided to take a different approach, um, I let people know about it, mm. I think was the critical thing, rather than suffering in silence um, and being alone. Mm. Um, but taking the time with myself, I had no idea what it was going to be like. Um, Or how it would feel or what would come out. Mm. Uh, But I let people know along the journey where I was at. Mm. Um, But gave myself space Mm. to really think and reflect and cry if I needed to cry. I wouldn't even say I'm a crying kind of person. But I would allow that space if I needed to do that. Um, And then each morning I would kind of have a... Make sure that I connected with other people. Mm. So I didn't stay by myself, alone, in the middle of Karapiro, I actually connected with people every day, connected with whānau, um, and checked in on others as well. I think what was useful for me in that time is that I realised, along with myself, it's also a healing journey for my partner, but it's a loss for him in a different way. Mm. As a wahine, um, you know, you're going through that physical process, Mm. um, whereas... For my tāne, my husband, he was going through the loss of an idea, you know? So they're different mm, things. True, yeah. But it, they still have pain. Yeah. Um, and so acknowledging that others have pain outside of myself as well, mm. so I don't get just absorbed within myself, mm. no. I think was an important process. But to be honest, I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> mm. I'd done it before I hadn't um faced it in that way before so I wasn't quite
0: sure and it's in that reflection that Mm. that those insights get to become clearer and yeah that's such a difficult space and time and I know that there there are a lot of women that experience um miscarriages as well Mm. and that it's actually something we need to be really mindful of when we keep asking people
1: when are you having another baby yeah so shh (laughs) yeah yeah I've I've got loads of of friends good friends um who are having fertility issues Mm. um and it's really painful when they get asked constantly totally you know and it just it's almost like putting the knife in a little bit that's it and um and I know it's from good
0: intentions sometimes that people ask but I think yeah let this just Mm. be a challenge to you to really ask what you know Mm. reflect on why am I asking
1: this why is it my why do I think it's my business to ask this of someone else Totally, when are you having a next baby, and I think it's important to open up the narrative around miscarriage as well because mm. um, it takes it away from being that kind of taboo thing or people suffering in silence. And I yeah. do believe that it's important to open up the narrative because it's far more common than probably people think it is. Oh, more. totally!
0: Yeah, I saw something shared on Instagram. Uh, yesterday I think it was like one in four or one in five women experience mm. miscarriage so it's yeah it's yeah it's present it's mm. something we need to be mindful of I'm curious to dive into what it means for you to turn your light on and if you could pinpoint a moment where you felt as if the light went on and you were you unapologetically expressed showing up in the world as Edna
1: yeah that's a fantastic question um I think I don't can't really pinpoint like one particular time um, because I guess I I feel that I am who I am you know and so that that question around like oh that pathway around kind of like authenticity, I don't I don't think so much about authenticity. It's not something that crosses my mind. That's so interesting. Um, hey? It's yeah, yeah, I I and then when I saw the question, you know, or the thinking about the part I to prepare, I thought, oh man, maybe I need to go a little deeper or something. But it's just, <laughs> just, like, it's just not something that I think about. Hmm. Um but I guess in terms of where my lights are, and I can't I can't answer that. Um You know, I feel, like, at my best when I'm thriving and, like, giving to the world, um, when uh, I can give to others and serve. I've known from a really young age, I mean, like, super, super young, that my purpose was always bigger than myself. Mm. I always knew that I was here to make the world a better place for others. Mm. I've just believed that. I don't know exactly how, but I just know that that's what it is. Mm. And so I feel that my light is turned on. Um, when I connect with myself, connect with my whanau and connect with others, and I can use my skills um, and my strengths to help serve others and make them feel good about themselves or help them in some way and that's when I get my biggest buzz. Wow, that's so good
0: and I wonder if the the authentic that hasn't come up before like I wonder if there' have been people around you since. The start maybe it's your whanau or whanau members or friends that it hasn't needed to be a conversation because it's always been instilled you've always been have you always been encouraged and supported to be yourself or um, what were the kinds of conversations happening with your mum for example that instilled a value that you get to be you maybe is there anything that comes to mind reflecting on the influence of some of those relationships in your
1: earlier years yeah well yeah it's it's fascinating because i asked my when i talk to my tani about authenticity she goes yeah you're totally authentic and i hear it all the time and mm. I, it's just not something i think about mm. but um growing up so i had three fathers which was beautiful because it's like amazing um but they're all really different which means that within a maori context you've got like loads of family right And so I've always been surrounded by different people. Um, And I guess for me, growing up, you know, my mum, I didn't know it was maybe happening. And there's probably things that have happened that I still don't even know has happened yet. Um, But we would do things from a really young age, like affirmation. So if you'd put yourself down, you know, or something would happen, Mum would say, no, no, three affirmations. So we knew what affirmations were as really wow. around kids. And so we were really pushed around um, that positive thinking space. Mm. And, yeah, even so, it's really funny because when I spoke to Mum the other day, she says, you've always just been you. Like, you know, if if Araru went down or whatever, I'd be like, oh, well, she's got a problem, she's got a problem. Like, from a really young age. Mm. And so... It probably was. It's probably like a Miyagi moment that I haven't realised is actually a thing, but it's a thing. Um, It's (laughs) a huge thing, especially for
0: young people, Yeah. you know, like feeling a lot of fragility around who am I and Mm. why am I here and recognising the impacts of an education system or a political system or their parents or different Mm. communities they've been a part of and realizing that the beliefs that they've picked up that have shaped their thoughts, their Mm. feelings and their behavior actually weren't ever them. Mm. And that there's a whole lot of like unlearning to do with that. It's just so like inspiring to see you with so much conviction, so much clarity, so much confidence just showing up being you, you know? <laughs> and uh I was just curious if there was anything that came to mind. Like the affirmations are really powerful because yeah. that's kind of reframing some of those limiting beliefs from a really young age. Yeah. Of like, no, no, I am enough or can you remember what any of those beliefs were that you would reframe
1: or those affirmations you'd use? Um, nah, not necessarily because I think it would be anything. I think um really early my mum was my mum was quite on when it came to our narrative so like you don't even think we were doing it right so So my papa, who's like the most awesomest man in the world, but like super not reliable at all, right? So you, so it would leave you on the side of the road for your fifth birthday type of thing, you know? Just that kind of thing. It would have been really easy to be like, oh, dad doesn't follow through or whatever. And mum would flip that narrative for us really early and say, um, your dad loves you. This is just not a strength. So enjoy the good parts of your dad and just know that the other parts are there. You know, so from a really young age, even those small things, that small narrative was changed for us. So I believe that it's probably stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, where we could have developed thinking around particular components that would shape our narrative. Mm. Whereas we were told you know from a young age I guess it is what it is mm. and you just accept the good and you accept the bad mm. um and you keep moving and you frame it in a way that's empowering for
0: yourself mm. and gets you moving again rather than disempowerment mm. and yeah in a different trajectory that's really powerful because I suppose that's a tool you can pick up and use as an adult as yeah. well of like okay that was an experience so the strength of it was this Mm -hmm. and I got to learn and discover how to utilize that going forward in that way that's really that's really cool would that be your default in stressful situations or challenging situations to think about how you
1: reframe it or yeah I think I am quite mindful of the story that I'm telling myself yeah so you know, if something does come up, I mean, we are still human. You have natural emotional responses to things. Um, but I would say throughout the years and throughout my experience, the um, the considering of that narrative probably happens quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say it doesn't happen, at, you know, that emotional moments and that those things don't happen. But I think the coming to the conclusion of the coppa mm. can happen faster probably because of that growing up totally Um, yeah
0: yeah that's that's really empowering as a frame and I suppose too something I've noticed not only within myself but also within other young people is like the pain and suffering that comes from holding on to a story that doesn't really serve us totally and that the discovery of actually I'm holding the pen and that, that was a real pivotal moment for me in my journey because it meant that Vicky, I call my victim mindset, my victim mentality, Vicky. so that when Vicky, v- Vicky the victim, so that when <laughs> she v- shows up, I'm like, yeah, here we go. Um, but it's my cue. Mm. Ah, Vicky's here. Ah, mm. I'm writing the. P- i I've got the pen. I get to write the story, and mm. let's let's acknowledge what's happened, harvest the insight and the learning, and get a pen so we can write a better story so it's not like an unconscious competence yet Mm. but that's that's the journey and that's a really cool tool to support less suffering from Mm. situations that don't need to have that extended out Mm. um i'm curious one thing that's staying with me from what you're saying before is like how you feel alive in life is when you can share your unique strengths and skills with the world to contribute and be of service and help others grow. And this is saying it's like one purpose or one vision and many missions and that there's many places and spaces that you get to share your unique skills and gifts to be of service as part of your purpose. Um, How do you know you're living in alignment when you move into different spaces and places, or how do you know if this is a space where your unique strengths and skills can shine?
1: That's a good question. I never really know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I quite I quite like going into the dark in some ways mm. um, because I guess uh, I have connectedness in my strengths. I know you do as well, right? So I just I have a belief that if I walk into a space, um, with integrity and the intention of being ticker that it will fall how it's meant to fall, good wow, or bad. Yeah. And so it doesn't worry me too much. I don't think too much when I go into spaces um, because it will just fall as it's meant to fall. And as long as I go in with good intent mm. um, and be ticker and true to who I am in the process, it will fall how it's meant to fall. Oh, how liberating. (laughs) That just seems like, woo. okay. It's it's funny because I'm like, I don't actually think too much. You just be, you just just show up. Just walk in. And so it's not that deep. (laughs) But it is
0: in a way because that's something that so many people aren't connected to yet, you know, and and with that connection – the mental freedom and peacefulness that might be able to come from it is Mm. huge, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, really inspiring. I'm keen to see how you got to discover your unique strengths. What, when you look back, because I know like a lot of uh, younger people as well really want to live like purposefully. They want to contribute to social change or environmental impact or do something more than, just work a job that doesn't really serve a higher purpose Mm. and that often young people's identity is really tied to what they do and so sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to just kind of zoom out and take a step back and go I'm not what I do but I can contribute and make a difference with my skills and strengths. Mm. They may not be aware yet what they are But do you have any awareness of how you've been able to cultivate your unique strengths?
1: I think it's just been from having a tutu, really. Mm. Um, And I think my strengths will grow in different spaces and places um, at a time. Um, I believe my biggest strength, my personal biggest strength, is um, creating space for others to see their light. I think that's my personal biggest strength. Um, and and oh, so, so good. That's kind of what I love to do. I love to see others shine and see their light. It's mm. my buzz, you know?
0: Oh, my God, that's such a vibe. So especially with tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand and where people feel like they actually don't have strengths or yeah. they, they've been through really difficult circumstances and difficult mm. experiences... Where that light's been switched off, and they've had people tell them their whole life that you're not, you're going to be up to nothing, you're going to follow in these similar footsteps. How do you do that? How do you hold that space for people? If somebody's listening and they're like, oh, "Well, I want to shine bright. I don't know how." What would that look like on this podcast? Could you, could you share some powerful questions
1: for someone listening to explore? that light within them totally um wow fantastic question again um i think what i have seen to be true over a period of time is that um all it can take is actually one interaction or one person Uh, i've worked with people personally who have literally had uh zero people in their world who have be- or who have felt they've had zero people in their world who have believed in them and backed them and them come from really tough situations and actually it maybe just takes one person mm. to to help build that level of confidence with them. And actually they do all the work. It's just that person Um, who can say, you got this, and I got you. Mm. And you can fall, and that's okay. Mm. And I got you. Um, And I think that um, I've also done some tutu, because I I love watching TED Talks, and there's this, like, really cool TED Talk, and I actually had a tutu with it on my um, health and wellbeing journey, where they talk about um, five people you need in your world, um, and I had a tutu with it, and it totally works. So one of the people that you need in your space that she talks about is a cheerleader. So that's that person who kind of is like, you've got this, i got your back. And they really kind of push you on to do stuff. Uh, she also talked um, about a coach, so somebody to help keep you in line and keep you on track. Mm. Um, she also talked about a peer, so someone to walk the journey along with you um and a friend so somebody who is a friend who you can talk to the difference i think between the peer and the friend is the peer is actually on the waka on the journey mm. doing the same thing whereas the friend is something that you can have that or with um it's four five. is it the mentor mentor it's, yeah yeah okay and the mentor points you in the right direction there you go. That's so good. <laughs> so what I've found is some people have have all of those people in one people. Some find their mentor online or, you know, we find our people in different people. Mm. Um, yeah, but I put that into practice um, with my own journey and I found it worked. And that's the thing. I've, I didn't go to any fancy class. I just watched it on YouTube and then gave it a tutu, you know? <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, and I've lost is it 20 kilos now. The, the kilos aren't the thing, though. It's the... But in our well-being journey, journey, you know, we cook our kai all together as a whānau um, and we share that kai. And it's um, our well-being journey as a whole whānau unit that I'm most proud of, of wow. that journey and how we that's can so change good. our environment for the better. That's my favourite part. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I wanted to bring up that
0: TED Talk because you showed me that. I love it. And then I went and did a whole lot of things with it too. So So good. It's really powerful. And and to be able to realize that you're in the driver's seat. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't have the cheerleader in your life, where are you going to take a turn on the road to go find the cheerleader? Mm. Which spaces and places are you going to go and show up in so that you can connect up the dots. Mm. And I think by doing that as well, it's also thinking about the reciprocity. Like, you know, with the friend, it's not just about what can I get from being with someone who can empathize and understand the part of my journey that I'm on, but I can also give and invest into as well. Mm. And it's reciprocal. Um, And I think the most powerful mentors that I've had really understand that there is a two-way street going where it isn't just about someone with more knowledge, wisdom, experience, talent, skills, whatever, in a particular area, sharing that down, but it's actually about, yeah, sharing it across, up, in between,
1: and that it's coming from both ways, which is really cool. Well, it's like that concept, right? It's like when you help someone, you always, majority, get more out of it. Than mm. they do. Mm. I've never ever helped somebody where I've felt that they got more out of it than I did. Mm. You no, know, mm. it's that yeah.
0: And that's part of your leadership, I think. You are such a remarkable leader. I cannot I, and I I'm genuinely I genuinely mean this. You've transformed the way that I see leadership and what what leadership means. And I actually would love for us to explore that a little bit. Mm-hmm both your leadership of yourself but what leadership means to you outwardly can we go there totally oh yeah okay yeah I feel like your leadership style is one that is just servant and humble and aware and I think we've been a little bit confused about uh, you know what what leadership is or maybe there's a new paradigm of what leadership is so can you talk a little bit to your leadership journey
1: totally yeah um well it's funny because I like from a really young age always found myself getting put in leadership positions and never wanting it so I never wanted anything to do with leadership wasn't my cup of tea but always found myself in that situation and then I went to a Māori leadership course when I was about 21 maybe, went to a Māori leadership course in health and I got challenged um, because I think I had always viewed leadership as like management and that was never my vibe. Mm. Um, But I got challenged um, by one of the Māori leaders there Um, and she says, you have an obligation to your people to lead. And I was like, oh man, And then um, she reframed leadership for me. Um, She asked me what I thought leadership was, and I pretty much described it like management. Mm. And she said, leaders grow leaders. And that, for me, made it just... It landed. Mm. It made it so it wasn't actually about me. It was about the collective. So how, as a leader, can I grow other leaders so we can serve better? And that just landed better for me. So... My whole concept of leadership is really framed around leaders grow leaders. And it's more palatable for me because it means it's not about me. Mm, (laughs) It's actually about the people, um, which I think is an alignment to the things I heard as a kid, which is, you know, it's not about yourself. It's not about Aho, it's about Koutou. You know, Mm. it's our collective. We Mm. move our collective forward. And so it just landed better. And then ever since then, I'm like, okay, I got this. I can do this. And I haven't been afraid to... um, to, um, I haven't been afraid to call myself a leader or just even the narrative of what a leader was I was like, yeah, I'm a leader yeah. and I'm going to grow a whole lot of more leaders um, who believe in themselves, who can contribute uh, and who can make this place better for our next generations mm. That's so good Oh,
0: that's so good and in terms of how that reframe, what was the impact then on how you perceived yourself and how you showed up and then how you were contributing, what changed after the reframe?
1: I I don't I think I still was the same person. I think I still did the same things. It was just the narrative I told myself about leadership because I kept getting put into leadership positions. So when I do it, i do the same things. But I think probably I um, After that, when the leadership opportunities came, I um, my fakar of it was all right. Bring it on, then. Mm. You know, like I still did it before anyway, but I did it out of obligation Mm. or the feeling of obligation because I didn't want to be a manager. Um, But after that, I thought, actually, no, I do have a responsibility to our people for ethical leadership. About how can I use this space because the opportunities are coming to me. Um, And that's just as how it is. Mm. Um, How can I use that space to create space for others? Mm. To have that same opportunity so that they can see their light um, and take grasp of those opportunities and move forward. Yeah, Mm. That's so good. And in terms of,
0: like, your own self-leadership, can we Mm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. What does
1: self-leadership mean to you? I think... um, it's probably just being ticker. Like my whole way of working, and it's really simple, really, but it's just do the right thing even when no one's looking. Mm. Um, I, I don't go on to deep journeys too much about myself in that. It's just um, can I go to bed at night knowing? Um that I did the right thing even if it was hard mm. um, and but I did the right thing even when no one was looking um, have i uh, been kind uh have I acted with compassion um, have I created space for others mm. um, but i don't I don't go too deep into um Myself, really. I'm just kind of guided by those principles of serve others, act with integrity, and be kind. Mm.
0: The simplification. Yeah, it's just really liberating. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really not that deep. <laughs> but it's it's this this simplicity. Maybe that is yeah. it. You know, like this is what this podcast is about. It's about hearing from different points of view of how we're looking at the rock. We're mm. all looking at the rock. We're just all looking at it from a different point of view. So mm. it's just cool to be able to hear and understand and see just different perspectives, you know. What if I was just to simplify this and give it a go? Yeah. What's going to
1: happen? Right? And I think that's kind of been my focado I'm not afraid to give things a go. Mm. And if it turns to shit, it will turn to shit. Yeah. Yes. Can you know, I
0: you can okay. swear in McCLary yeah. away.
1: <laughs> but no like it could These things could go wrong and they they have gone wrong before that's okay um but now we know um,
0: it sounds so simple like I know like I know it ain't in practice like oh yeah I'll give it a go and then you know if it doesn't work out sweet as. <laughs> The amount of times that I've had, like, um, someone share with me, you know, an idea or a dream or a future that they imagined and the lack of self-belief or self-confidence to just give it a go Mm. is huge. It's like a virus, Mm. you know? Like, how do you think... (laughs) <laughs> I know it's just like give it a go, but like, can we go one layer deeper <laughs> and just like, what gives you the confidence and the belief to give it a go? What gives you the confidence and belief that the uncertainty of it is all good, and the confidence and the belief that whatever happens happens, I'll learn, I'll grow. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do people get to that space?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me personally. Like I would say to our teams, you know, like people find um, public speaking really difficult, right? Some people find that difficult. Um, What I would say to our teams is, and I've taken someone who wouldn't even talk in front of other people to um, speaking to Iwi Māori Council, who's like one of the hardest groups to speak to in DHB. Mm. Um, And we've gone through that process. Um, But I think there's, for me personally, it's... um, I go into the kaupapa and I go in with good intent. I go prepared, as prepared as I can be, um, but I go with good intent. I know what I'm doing has a purpose. um, And I know that um, there's more to this space than this moment. So this moment will not define me. Oh, that's so good. So I just I don't think too deep into it. It's just like if it works it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'm still a good person. I will still have my family there at the end of the day. I will still um be me. Could epically fail or it could go great. Yeah. But Um, that moment won't define you. And the moment will not define me. Either way. Um The world is bigger than myself in this moment. Mm.
0: There's like this inner knowing that you're just all good. (laughs) You know, that everything's going to be all good. Everything's going to be okay. You know, and I think maybe the challenge is that some moments, the feelings of overwhelm and the feelings of, of whatever it is, can consume you. Mm. And it is difficult to lift your eye and zoom out that actually Mm. I'm not going to be defined by this feeling on this day in this time. Mm. There's so much more ahead of me. Mm.
1: And that's, I think, a really profound insight. It's interesting too because, like, I think people look at me externally and go, oh, you're so confident. You got it together. You're all good. And I still get nervous. Mm. I still get sweaty palm moments. I encourage those moments and, like, I guess the anxieties and fears work for people up into a certain point. Like, I was to give a presentation the other day, which is worth millions, right, which potentially has the ability to impact, has a positive impact for, like, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. And I have to give this pitch to start the kaupapa. And so, right, there's a lot on the line mm. with that particular thing. Um So a little bit of fear and anxiety is really good in that moment because it pushes you. I I was able to use that to push me to work harder to do my due diligence and things like that. But actually, um, I allowed it only to go to a point that it was useful for me. Mm. Um, But I'm glad that I had it. And that's, I think, the importance of that reframing. I'm glad that I had it because if I didn't, I wouldn't have done my due diligence. I wouldn't have stayed up till 2am mm. making sure that I did a really good job. I wouldn't have made, I wouldn't have over-prepared for the kaupapa, mm. Um so that we could smash it. Um, and then literally, maybe 30 minutes before the presentation, I was told that I had to cut half of what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like, oh, snap, and you've just prepared all of this stuff. But... Um, I think that's that um, ability to bring it back and be like it is what it is I will roll with this as I roll with it and however it comes out is how it's meant to come out you know but imagine preparing for a huge presentation and (laughs) they just like chop it 30 minutes before but that's okay (laughs) oh my god! just like everything you were going to do you're now going to do the opposite of that (laughs) And at that level too, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay. And that's Stakes the reality, right? Yeah. And what I what I love as well, I think, about being a mum is that I can go from that situation to go to being home and then having to change my daughter's diapers. And it's like, there's nothing more important in this world right now than doing this. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> you know? so and true. it brings you back down, man, because it's like, yeah. I, I I like the contrast of those worlds. yeah, um, Because I think it helps keep you humble and keep you grounded to, um, yeah, this, this moment will not define you. It's mm. not the end of the world if it turns south.
0: Mm. You've got some really powerful beliefs mm. that set you up for success in different situations that maybe have been so ingrained within the system of your operations, you know, like how you're operating, that it's just – Given you this ability to authentically be you, fully show up with radical self belief and be of service. And I think that's something I'm learning in this conversation of like, how can I bring awareness to the beliefs that aren't empowering me to fully show up mm. and let them go, mm. honor them? Thank you for the time that you spent with me. Mm. I am not enough. <laughs> and I release you and I'm calling in that I am enough and that how will I show up today from that place of Mm. I am enough. Mm. Now I can do hard things or whatever it is. And I think that's the invitation that I'm getting from this conversation of to just bring awareness to what are those beliefs that are running?
1: Mm.
0: Are they serving me and what I'm being called into Mm. to be of service to others? And how can I reframe and release the ones that are, Just not for this time, not Mm. for this season.
1: Which, yeah, that's a beautiful gift to have. Mm. I feel like often when we get... um, I feel like what happens is people have their blinkers on. So when we're in states of stress... um, people think about themselves right which is what's normal so we have our blinkers on and we think this moment is the most pivotal moment Mm. but what if we took those blinkers off to say actually I'm one of many things happening in this world right now Mm. you know and it's sometimes yeah in that stress we just need to take that moment to remember that there's other things happening Mm. you know outside of your own inner dialogue yeah yeah that's... And usually most people are worried about themselves anyway. So they're not too concerned with other people. Yeah. Like, my favourite thing, I go to Les Mills, and there's this real thing about going to Les Mills, right? Like, there's a narrative around it. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, how do you show up? And I'm like, girl, I just show up. they got the, the awesome gears. Like, it just doesn't even <laughs> cross yeah. my mind. Because yeah. everyone's worried about themselves. That's so a... Yeah, you just do you. Yeah. Do you, boo?
0: Do you, boo? I'm wondering... Is there, is there an, uh, something that you've found awareness of in your like quarter life crisis or adulthood, so to speak, whatever, where you've done a bit of unlearning and because of that unlearning, you've been able to empower yourself into an, to a new season, a new chapter of, of growth and of abundance and of possibility. Could you put your finger on anything that's been an unlearning for you?
1: Mm. That's a great question. Unlearning. Um, I read this book by Nancy Klein around creating space. Um, and I think I ha- I'm an includer by nature. So I want to make people feel included in conversations and things like that. And I think when I was um, younger, I used to want to fill space because I didn't want people to feel uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm starting to learn now, well I learned through reading this book and, you know, putting it in practice around actually spaces what people need to grow. So we need to feel sweetie palm moments, we need to um sometimes have uncomfortable things to learn and grow ourselves and creating space for people to do that. Um and nice. so yeah, I'm I'm that's one of the things I had to unlearn is that um allow people to fall allow people the space to feel uncomfortable and have sweaty palm moments and those things so that they can have their learning journey and their learning journey is their learning journey
0: Mm, wow that's really cool Mm. Mm. yeah that's a really important lesson that's that's huge and then that's been able to play out in the different Leadership spaces you've been in, and you've Mm. witnessed the growth in others because of that.
1: Totally, and I think that's the part of the thing is sometimes your strengths cannot be of service, right? So one of my strengths is strategic, so I can see ten things before they happen, or when people are talking, I can, I can see if something's going to work or not work really quickly, and you can get there faster. But the reality is, as a leader, we have to grow leaders, and people um, have to make their own mistakes. They have to. Find out that something will work and not work. And that's how we build our resili- resilience mm. as leaders. And I think that's one thing I'm starting to learn now is that moment to pause and create that space for people to make the mistakes in a safe space. That's it. And actually it's okay. That's it. It's okay to make a mistake. Um, I will make them constantly. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to share mistakes also. Mm. Uh, people, for some reason... You know, when I started Mahi, people thought I'd never made mistakes. I, I make mistakes every single day. Like, literally fail almost every day. Mm. And that's okay. But it, it's like, um, I think we should encourage that. Mm. I think there should be part of the narrative that um, it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, but if you continue to do the same mistake over and over, then we'll have yep. a conversation. It's but, yeah, it's okay. And it
0: models it. Yeah. It's like... Yo, I'm I'm doing this too. I'm learning. I'm discovering. Mm. And that's authentic Mm. as well. I love that. What would you say has been your medicine in finding yourself? Or maybe since you've always known yourself, maybe what's been medicine for you in your well-being journey?
1: Mm, I like that. Um, I think what I have realised... Um, is critical to my well-being. Is connection to other people, connection to myself, um, connection to the Fenua, and connection to community. I really think that connection is critical for me in my own well-being. Um, and sometimes, when you're a copapa-driven or you're a purpose-driven person, you can ha- find an imbalance. Because it's very easy to do kaupapa when you're driven with purpose. Mm. It doesn't even feel like I could, I through COVID was working like 20 hour days and just didn't feel it because you're just living in that moment and you're serving others. Um, but I do enjoy, like one of my favourite things to do is this like window shopping. Just with no time frame. It's like my favourite thing to do, just cruising with others. It's like I love window shopping, just (laughs) dawdling, doing nothing. And yeah, um, we started a games night um, with our girls, and it's like we don't even have to be talking about super deep stuff. We're just playing Monopoly Deal. Oh, don't get me started. All the games. (laughs) And I think, um, yeah, playing, connecting, is really important and that sense of flow so I've I've noticed as well I need time for myself Mm. um, my own feminine energy myself as a wahine I need time for that Mm. Um, I also need time with my tāne my darling to grow that relationship I need time with my baby um, and that journey and then I need time with my whānau and wider community Mm. Um, and so those things fill my cup and so how do I do that and I asked the I asked this like real uh, I think he was a clinical psychologist and of course I was trying to crack the code of balance and I said to him like I, I bought and I literally bought in a sheet of paper and with color coding about how I was exactly going to get the right method of balance and what I he said to me was really interesting he said it's not about balance it's about balancing And so sometimes in life it's going to require more mahi and sometimes it's going to require more whānau and sometimes it will require more self. Um, But we're balancing. Um, Mm. And when you go too hard on one side, you will fall off. Mm. And so I like that concept that it's not actually about a perfectly scheduled week um, that is the perfect balance. It's actually about going in this time and place, it requires X. Mm. And in this time and place, it requires a little bit more of this. That's so good. Um, But I do have a real supportive whānau, and I mean, I'm very aware that I wouldn't be able to do the things that I would do without that whānau unit, so conversations that I have with my darling is, um, like, what do you need to thrive? Mm. So what do you need as a person, not even as a father or a partner, like, what do you actually need to thrive? What are those things? And then how do we make sure those things happen for you? And then what do I need to thrive? You know, I need to be contributing to my people. That is a core component of me being able to thrive. Um, But I also like to window shop. You know, when can I do that? But it's, so it's like, I think those conversations need to be had about what we need Mm. to thrive in this partnership together. You know, for me as a person, not as a mother, not as a partner, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, no label even those conversations with yourself to understand that. Well, that's it. I mean, mm. that's
0: that to me is some um, amazing self-leadership to really sit with and be and understand yourself. Like, in order for me to fully show up, what, what does it look like in a morning to set my day up for success? Mm. Or what does it look like in an evening? Mm. You know, window shopping or, you know, from time to time, a bit of Monopoly deal, yeah, a yeah. bit of book club, whatever, you know. Um, making sure that that's there so you can be the best version of yourself and live with integrity and and not have that resentment or
1: unalignment, I guess, playing out. Mm. I think another thing that I did that was super random, but my dad used to tell me as a kid is like one random act of kindness every day. Mm. And I found that did contribute to my own happiness. So I'd buy a coffee and then a free coffee for the next person behind me. And it's like I often got so much joy out of that and I think that does contribute to wellness as well as um, thinking about how to be kind mm. to others around you. Mm. That's beautiful. And that's mm. free. Mm. I mean, it doesn't have to be paying for something. Yeah. It can be a
0: smile or a uh, making space for someone to have a conversation with them who might be keen to just kind of connect and check in or random acts. I think there was a point that we looked up like a hundred free random acts of kindness Love. and then like plotted just as <laughs> that inspiration, you know, it's like, Oh, that's a goodie. That's free as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I think I've got one yeah. final question, which is just as you look back to your younger self or as you think about younger people or young adults, what would be your one piece of advice for them to find. Purpose. And well being. And to feel safe. To unapologetically be themselves.
1: It's a fantastic question. Um, I think. That. My advice would be. If you act with a good intent. You're being tikka, Um And. Yeah, if you act with good intent, move forward courageously. Um, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you'll be better off for it. That's
0: beautiful.
1: Just go for it. <laughs> Just let it go and go for it.
0: I love it. So if that is the message you needed to hear, yeah. this, is your, this is your sign from the universe, your permission slip. Uh, What a beautiful place to finish. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your experiences, your wisdom, your gifts, your strengths with everyone who's listening and uh, for everything that you're doing in the community. It's really incredible to be able to witness and see the impact um, from many different points of view. So thank you so much, Edna. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Looking forward to connecting next time. it Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to our special guest. This is your chance to take a moment for yourself and really reflect on what's landed for you over this episode. Yep, right now. Pull over in the car, stop working, take a minute and write it down and turn that into one actionable goal so that you can integrate and apply what's come to light in this episode into your life. If you're picking up what we're putting down, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button to be the first to hear when the next squeeze of Audible Juice is live in a new app. If you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, please slide into my DMs on Instagram. See you next time. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.